This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. In today's episode, I am joined by Mark Checky, who won our giveaway contest for Badlands to co-host an episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. We're going to have about a 22-minute conversation on the New York Jets and free agency, uh, which will be coming up in a few minutes here. Before we jump into that conversation, a reminder to subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And if you have not yet Check out Badlands at turnonthejets.podbean.com. It is our first ever subscription podcast. It is a 10-part audio docu-series on the last 10 years of the New York Jets, hosted by myself and Connor Rogers, uh, with a wide range of guests uh, diving into different things that the Jets have struggled with in the past 10 years and how they can improve on them going forward. A lot of relevant stuff uh, for this upcoming offseason. And when you do get that subscription for $9.99, you are covered for the next 12 months. And Connor and myself will be dropping in long-form episodes around free agency and the NFL draft and the upcoming season, ad-free, primo, premium audio quality. Uh, so make sure to check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, good for binge listening if you're, you know, you're looking to pass the time in some way, if you're working from home for a bit like most of us are. Uh, so check that out. Um, this feed will continue to, uh, you know, populate as always, uh, with different guests and different interviews. It does seem like as of now that the NFL is sticking to their current schedule. What the NFL has upcoming is free agency, uh, the NFL draft. These are things that can be done without large crowds around them. Uh, every team is smartly, I would say, pulling their, you know, staff and personnel off the road and, I think it's been smart and proactive by every major sports league here to hit the pause button and practice the necessary social distancing that I think many offices are right now, mine included. Uh, and it does seem like we're all going to be working from home for a bit. So I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. It is always kind of weird uh, at times like these where something this big and you know scary and real is going on uh, to talk about sports. Uh, I do think sports at a time like this is usually a nice welcome distraction uh, from refreshing the news every three minutes, which I don't think is a healthy way to go about doing things. Now, this is a situation here where sports is canceled. There's no there's no sports going on, live sports for the next few weeks, and it could be longer than a few weeks. Honestly, it might be 30, 45 days, and however long it takes to make sure that we are as safe as possible, I think we should all be in favor of. Uh, it's just sports. We can move these events back and all this stuff will pick back up. And, you know, I, with the NFL, I don't know how they're going to evaluate it. They may find it weird to do free agency next week with all this going on. They may push it back two to four weeks as it stands now. It seems like it is going to be on. So, you know, we're going to continue to push out, you know, content about free agency, uh, about the NFL draft and about reacting to what happens or what does not happen. You know, we pushed some predictions out on the website today. Uh, we are obviously aware and sensitive of the situation that's going on. And, you know, turnonthejets.com is not going to be a place where you're going to get that kind of breaking information. I can't say that from my Twitter account. I'm not going to periodically be sharing things about it or referencing thing about it because it's what is happening right now. And it's a major thing. Uh, so, 
you know, our stance is going to be we're going to keep making content because we're working from home and we want to keep working. And we're assuming people want some different things to listen to and read and consume that is not just about what's going on. Uh, again, the hope is that everyone really is taking this seriously and is doing what they can to protect themselves and their family um, and is able to find some way to, you know, pass the time in a way that is not uh, that difficult by consuming some entertaining, hopefully funny, motivational, you know, sports content, whether that's through us, whether that's through whatever other uh, means you get your sports content from. And uh, that's basically it. So stick around for our conversation with Mark here. Have sort of a fun, wide-ranging conversation on NFL uh, free agency, which is set to kick off in a few days here. Again, I'm going to have a longer, much wider uh, conversation with Connor Rogers uh, on the Badlands feed, which we're hoping to drop on Sunday with the league year set to open on Wednesday. Going to try to wait a little longer to squeeze in any new news that breaks, any tidbits. Certain people are going to get re-signed back to their team. Quentin Spain's a good example. Buffalo Bills just brought him back, was one of the top guards on the market. More stuff is going to continue to break through on who gets franchised or who gets re-signed or who the Jets might be interested in or might not be interested in. Uh, It's going to be a fluid situation just like it always is uh, around the league year. Uh, So we want to get as much info in as we can before all this stuff really kicks off. And it does seem like it is scheduled to kick off still uh, in the middle of next week. So before we get into that conversation with Mark, I want to remind you guys that today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. Thorough in-depth coverage from local writers on every team, plus national writers you already know like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, and friend of the pod Michael Lombardi. The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. No ads, pop-ups, or clickbait, just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. Get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, live writer Q&As, and more. Just download The Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and The Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you. Ready to get started? Get 40% off a yearly subscription at theathletic.com slash overtime. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. And we are now joined by this week's guest who happened to win our giveaway uh, associated with the Badlands podcast, Mark Checky, uh, Jet, big Jets fan, follower of Turn on the Jets, evidently, since he subscribed to Badlands. And we're going to talk with Mark for a few minutes about his Jets fandom and what he's hoping to see from the team in free agency this year. Mark, thank you for joining us tonight. How you doing? Okay, Joe. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm hoping that... Uh, this offseason is a, is a productive one for our new general manager and the Jets. Now, how long, how many years have you been a Jets fan, and how did you end up being a Jets fan? You, you see, I started becoming, I started being a Jet fan when I was eight years old. My mother took me to Jet camp at Hofstra in 1981. Joe Gardy was an assistant coach under Ben Coach, who recently just passed away, Walt Michaels. And I got a bunch of autographs, and I was just smitten. I didn't really have a favorite team when I first started. I would have had to have said it would have been the Giants or the Steelers, but I ended up coming over to the Kelly Green. It's always interesting. And staying there for life. Yeah. 
No, it's always interesting how many fans have like the roots from Hofstra and from Long Island, something that the Jets, you know, I think unfortunately moved away from in recent years because they do have such a big core of their fan base who either went to training camp out at Hofstra or are from Long Island or from or from Queens. Uh, I've noticed that in how in when I've interacted with Jet fans, and it's not so, it's something that I got to do when I was like really young, but obviously it's not now something that they don't really do anymore with camp. Went to Cortland for a while. The unfortunate thing is we don't have a lot of open camps to begin with because there isn't a big seating area over at Florham Park. I mean, the thing is, at Hofstra, you were able to get in, you know, all the time pretty much. Now, I never went back after I was eight until I was about 25 or 26. It was the season after the AFC Championship game against Denver. And I went for the last couple of years at Hofstra, and then I might have gone maybe two or three times to Florham Park as well. Yeah, I think we've got, I've heard, I've only been to Florham Park a handful of times, but the access level is definitely something that I feel like has been sort of on a decline in recent years. And I think that's been pretty consistent across some NFL teams. Doesn't feel quite as interactive and engaging as it, it seemed to have been in the past. Although I do know they try to do some of those periodic uh, days where they'll do an open practice back at Hofstra or back at or back at MetLife. Are you are you a season ticket holder? I am not. I was one until 2011. I was disappointed in the whole experience in MetLife Stadium, to tell you the truth. And marriage kind of intervened and brought me down here to South Jersey. So geographically, I live much closer to the Eagles now. And what you say holds true there too. They only had one open practice last year at the link. Wow, I'm surprised. And there they, was a sellout yeah. crowd. Yeah, no, I mean, especially with some of the recent success that they've had. Yeah, I was a season ticket holder up until uh, I think 2015 or 2016, 2016. And, you know, I try, I try to get out at least to like one or two games a year. But honestly, sometimes it's just a better experience to, to be able to just watch it at home and kind of follow it that way. Do you still normally go to like one or two games a year? The last game I went to was the one Darnold threw five touchdowns against the Colts. You know, the year that the game they honored the 68 team. The thing is, I, I think football has become so much more of a TV sport. That's why the dependence is declining. The black market is declining. And the ticket prices are probably 30 or $40 cheaper than they were when I had the tickets back in 11. Yeah. So, you know, I, the I, bottom I... line is, I'll get to a bar or I'll watch the games at home, you know, when they're on at home. I mean, I'd much rather do that than spend a lot of money. But if it's a big game, I'm going to go out down here. Yeah. Or go up north. Yeah, I've definitely noticed how, and I think part of it has to do with the team's performance, how much more, how cheaper the tickets are now than they were when I used to go a lot more, which was, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010-ish range. I went to opening game this year, Jets-Bills, and was able to get tickets on StubHub for like 35 bucks the day before, and that was for opening day. Not a, not a positive outcome, but was generally like a good game with a pretty big crowd. But overall, it really, it takes a very good game to get anywhere near a strong stadium and fan experience at MetLife. The last one I remember was probably when they beat the Patriots back in 2015, which you know feels like a thousand years ago, and that you know felt like it was leading to a playoff spot, but hadn't. Um, as you're looking forward now 
to this off season, and it's been a disappointing stretch to say well, the is, least. At least, well, uh, this is the first off season of Joe Douglas, so we have to see what he's capable of doing. I know what his organizations that he worked for in the past have put a premium on, so hopefully this organization follows suit and he can put a premium on the offensive line because that's where I think we're totally lacking. Now, you might not be able to replace five spots, but my thought process is you have to replace at least two, possibly three, and maybe even four of them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think... Everything they could do to make Sam Darnold's life easier this offseason has to be the top priority, and that starts with the offensive line where, in a perfect world, you would almost flip over every single starter. Might not be pragmatic to do it all all in one offseason, but I think starting in free agency, that my hope is that is going to be the top of the list. And I think, fingers crossed, the primary reason to be have some optimism at least is Joe Douglas is coming in with a good reputation and a good resume, and by all indications, he's going to focus on offensive line and on helping Sam Darnold. Is there any particular names that you would really put a premium up, premium I'm trying to get in free agency or anything that you'd be that much more excited about the Jets signed in free agency? You see, the thing, the thing about this is the Jets had been running, a, I believe, a man-blocking scheme until Gase came in and they brought, you know, they brought Frank Pollock in who ran a zone blocking scheme. And the thing was, wasn't he a man blocking scheme and guy in Dallas? I mean, the schemes don't really jive with one another. So I think you want smaller, quicker offensive linemen as opposed to, you know, mashers. So a guy, that guy Van Roten from Carolina was intriguing for that reason. I mean, he's got that kind of measurable. They ran the ball very well over the last couple of years. I mean, that might be an under-the-radar guy, along with Graham Glasgow, if the Jets strike out on Joe Tooney, which I think, by all accounts, they're going to be in on. Am I right? Yeah, I think my understanding is they're going to be as in on the market for Joe Tooney and Jack Conklin as they possibly can, but... You know, those are going to be a ton of competition around those guys, especially Thune, who I would say is the best overall offensive lineman on the market. So making sure that they have a strong plan B and plan C in place to still add some starters and add guys with experience. Uh, Van Roten from the Panthers is a name that's came up this week, a guy who started a decent amount of games for them over the past few years. And is probably, you know, if you miss out on a Thune and you miss out on a Graham Glasgow uh, would sort of be in that next tier of options that you look to add in a guy who you know might not be a household name but should be an upgrade over what they've been putting out there with Brian Winters in recent years who's really struggled to stay healthy. Brian and stay Winters, consistent. make no mistake about it, is a warrior. Yeah, I mean he played till he literally couldn't last year, and he was a wrestler in college. That's the utmost respect for the guy, but I still wouldn't bring him back at this point as anything more than a depth guy. I can't even rely on him start because I can't rely on them to stay healthy and yeah the performance isn't going to be all that good either no I could live with I could live with two of these four Beecham Harrison Lewis and Winters but the other spots have to be replaced and I don't think you could go into next season with Chuma Doga starting at right tackle I know the organization is pretty high on them but 
there were some things. There were some red flags when he was drafted, weren't there? Yeah, there were some concerns there was an off the field about field incident. Some people yeah. thought he was lazy. There were some concerns about his work ethic translating to the next level, and I think he had you know a couple okay moments last year, but it was sort of like the more he was out there, the more he got exposed, and I think like you said, yeah, he kind of stuck out a little more. Yeah, counting on him to be a starter. Seems risky. I'd feel better. Like, if, you, if you're going to keep guys from last year who are going to start, I'd feel better with a Beecham or an Alex Lewis maybe being one of those guys rather than an Adoga or a Winners. Because there will be at least one or two of those guys back as starters. Because, like you said, they're not going to they're not gonna get five new starters this offseason. You hope you could sign two guys in free agency, and then in the draft you take someone in the first round and add somebody else maybe in the middle rounds. But it's not going to be all new starters across the board. What do you think about what are you thinking at receiver with Robbie Anderson? And if Robbie Anderson leaves, how would you go about filling that hole? I wouldn't overpay for Robbie Anderson. My thing is he's a he's a very good player and I get the continuity thing with Sam Darnold at this point. You really don't want to mess with it that the precedent is Sanchez in two thousand eleven. But my thing is I don't think I think he's about a ten or twelve million dollar player as opposed to a fifteen million dollar player. Now, if what people are saying is true, and the market is going to be depressed for him because of the receiver class in the draft, which by all accounts looks pretty great. I mean, if you could bring him back for ten or twelve million, I mean, he's got a good rapport with Sam Darnold. He seems to be dropping hints that he wants to be here, too which I think is very good. He's familiar with the area. I mean, he went, went to Temple for college. I know he's from Florida originally, but I think he fits at the right price. Yeah, I think I have a little That's more... my take uh, on him. Yeah, I have a little more optimism on him coming back than I did a few weeks ago. I still think it's a less than 50% chance, but I think it's a higher than a 5 or 10% chance, which it was, you know, maybe a few weeks ago. And it's just going to depend on the Packers or the yeah. Raiders jumping in on them, possibly yeah. the Eagles. I mean, I, they don't have a lot of money that's disposable and they definitely have to bring in a corner the same way, you know, the Jets do too, frankly. I mean, and we could switch to that in a little bit. Is there, before we hop over to the defense, is there any other specific offensive players that are an offensive lineman that you'd be interested in seeing them go after? Well, unfortunately, I have to ask this question as a longtime Jet fan. Who's going to be the backup quarterback next year? <laughs> it's a fair question after what we've is seen in the past few years. Yeah. Um, is it going to be Trevor Simeon? I mean... That's that, that unfortunately becomes a big question, especially if you have a compromised offensive line or somebody that's not playing, you know, you don't have a lot of continuity with the offensive line. That's something that could happen. I mean, unfortunately, and Sam's missed a few games this year due to a circumstance, you know, beyond anybody's control. He got mono. I mean, that was unfortunate, but that's my only other question, really. Yeah, I'm curious to see if the Jets try to run it back with Simeon. I'd like to think there are better options out there. You have guys like Case Keenum and Matt Moore who have a little more experience and a guy like Moore who has played in Gase's offense Matt before. Moore, Jet Killer. Yeah, noted yeah. Jet Killer, Matt Moore. Um, I do hope they take that seriously because even if you put last year aside, Darnold missed three games his rookie year and 
you know, guys miss games, you know, you know, look around the league. It's common for starting quarterbacks to miss, you know, three, four five games in any given season. We saw it with Mahomes and Breeze and last year. It's just happens. Uh, defensively. It worked out for those teams. Too. That's true. That, that is true. And, you know, you're prepared with a guy like Bridgewater and the Chiefs had more and we're able to kind of weather the storm. Defensively, right. do, do you want the Jets to take a big swing at the top of the corner market and pay – 15, 16 million a year for a guy like Byron Jones or Bradbury, if they are ultimately uh, available and they're able to outbid some of the other teams, would you spend that much on corner or would you just focus more on the spending on edge rusher or on offense? I'd like to think they could spend a little more on edge rusher. I mean, the organization has really put that aside over the years. Now, Bless on Austin is a guy that has been hurt over the years. So I don't know if he's a guy that you can count on as a CB1 but he could be a CB2 for sure. Brian Poole is most comfortable playing the inside, assuming we bring him back, which I'm hoping the Jets do. And then, yeah, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure, you know, how much money we're going to have out of the corner position. I would like to bring in Byron Jones, looks like a better option than James Bradbury, according to PFF. I was preparing today by reading that. I don't think Bradbury is just a guy. I don't think he'll quit on the. Jets kind of like Trumaine Johnson did after getting paid, but I don't know. He strikes me as a ten to twelve million dollar a year player as opposed to an eighteen million dollar a year player. It's but fair. he might get overpaid because he's probably the second or third most sought after guy. Yeah, I think with his age. What about a guy like Logan Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, a guy who's got a lot of experience on a lot of good defenses and has played in a ton of big games. There's also gonna be other guys like Darby and Jalen Mills, that could be you, you take a one-year swing on. I do. It does seem like they're going to be pretty serious about both Jones and Bradbury. And, I, again, if you're going to pay someone big money, which I wouldn't necessarily advocate for a corner, I'd feel better about Jones. There's just a higher floor there. But they can't go into next offseason with just, with just Austin and Mollett. You have to bring in some kind of veteran to, to round out that, that positional group. Um. Yeah, I think a veteran will round it out really good. Williams seemed to, you know, make basically lemonade out of, you know, some of the lemons he had later on in the year as opposed to when he had, you know, the guys that were perceived to be more talented, such as Johnson, such as the other guy. I forget his name. No, it was, it, was a, it was a mix of a lot of people cycling through. There was it little, was forgettable. Yeah. It was a forgettable cast of characters uh, at corner and really at some other parts of the defense. And I think the hope is that... Darrell Roberts, that was his name. Uh, yeah, I'm not... I'm hoping we don't have to see too much, if any, of him next year, depending on how they do in... Uh, depending on how they do in free agency. Move on from him, too, at this point. Yeah, I think it will make sense financially if they could do what they need to do in free agency and get pullback uh, to get rid of Roberts. That would be nice. Yeah, pool is great. Side corners don't get paid a heck of a lot, but we'll see what happens with pool. He's probably one of the top guys out there. Yeah, I think he was one of the best slot corners in football last year, and a really nice, you know, under the radar signing for the Jets to you know plug that hole. And I hope he doesn't even hit free agency and they get ahead of that. Now, that'd be nice. Now, before before we let you go, as it stands now, and I know we need free agency, I know we need the draft, and I know things could change. What what are your expectations for the team next year? What what are you satisfied with next year to see from this team? 
uh, heading into year 10 here of no playoffs and coming off, you know, a, a six and two finish in the back half of the year, but still a seven and nine record overall. Like what, what are your expectations for next year? I would like to improve the record, but unfortunately, I don't know if the schedule is conducive to that, depending on how it's spread out. I would think Buffalo is going to be an improved team off of last year. I would think the Patriots, whether they bring Brady back or not, still won't bottom plateau that badly. Plus, look at the out-of-conference schedule. you got to go to Seattle. you got to go to the Rams. you got to go to Kansas City. I know, you know, it's that old WFAN thing, win, loss, win, loss, and a lot can change over time. Like the 2015 schedule looked daunting, and it turned out to be very easy. So we'll see. I mean, I would have hoped that they would be 8-8 eight and eight or better. And by better, I mean, you know, definitely playoff con- contention if you're talking 9-10 wins. It would be nice. It would really would be nice to at, least, yeah, to at least get back in that like 2015 but range. Miami's got a lot of money too. Yeah, and that could be Miami's adding a new a quarterback. To, you know, they can run the off season basically and the draft. Yeah, I'm pretty. Point. I yeah. mean, but it does depend how they use it, though. They changed coordinators and they're getting rid of some veteran players. I'm starting to see the si- old signs of Miami again. Now, Flores strikes me as more of a solid guy than some of the other guys they've had, so maybe he knows what he's doing and has a plan. It would be nice it's to see to them, tell. you know, have a winning record in their division finally. It's been it's been so long since they've been even just Jeez, better it's than been re- a really long time. <laughs> I think the last time they had a winning record in their division was the last time they made the playoffs back in two thousand ten. Every year it's been three and three or worse. Uh, and some years it's been one and five or I think six. you're right. It's Yeah, in recent years it's been two and four or one and five. Yeah, and there's nothing worse, of course, than losing to Miami, Buffalo, New England um, with a high no. volume of consistency. No, not at all. I mean, that's the worst. Um, we haven't beaten the Patriots since 2015. It's time for us to do it. I mean, it's yeah, it's been, I think, yeah, 10 straight games at this point. And last year, which, you know, it seems funny to think about in retrospect, they beat Dallas and Darnold's first game back and a lot of us were excited for them to potentially upset New England in that Monday night game or at least be really competitive and oh kind of re- reset their season. And it was one of the worst games in recent years. I mean, even me, who's, you know, skews a little more to pessimistic because the case, I thought they were going to cover in that game and be in into the fourth quarter, and it was like 21 nothing before you turn the TV on. Gase had a good recent history in home games against the Patriots, too. That's the funny thing. And, I mean, they just really... It was a no-show effort. I mean, Sam literally saw ghosts. A low point of last year. But then, you know, his game took off in the second half of the season, especially on the first drives. And, you know, he was a little bit better than after that game. And you can't get any worse, to be honest. But I wasn't ready to categorize him as a bust after that one. Belichick has made a lot of quarterbacks look really bad, particularly young ones. No, absolutely. And I think there's – more than enough reasons to be optimistic about Sam going forward. And I like how he got better and showed some of the flashes that we saw in the Dallas game and the Washington game and the Giants game and some of the other stuff. So definitely him and Joe Douglas, I think, are the prime. a lot of nice throws on the run and under pressure. Just imagine what he could do if he doesn't have to deal with that kind of pressure. That's why building the offensive line is definitely the way to go. I don't doubt more it. weapons around him. Quincy Noon was a good player, but I don't think he's going to be healthy this year. 
No, I don't think you could count on getting any games from him this year. I think if you do, that's great, but I wouldn't plan my it's offseason. Gravy at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gravy. He's just missed so much time in recent years, and it's a shame because, you know, really good after the catch. Absolutely. Yeah, seemed to have good chemistry with Sam. Yeah, I like him a lot, but, but his ability to stay healthy just leaves a lot to be desired. So. Yeah, well, look, so. Opta, fingers crossed that Joe Douglas comes through on building around Sam Darnold starting next week when free agency is going to open on Wednesday. Mark, appreciate the uh, conversation. You are on Twitter at checkmark62. That's right, Joe. Absolutely. So everyone give Mark a follow. Appreciate the uh, the conversation again, and, and let's hope for some more success in uh, the near-term future appreciate for our Jets. Appreciate time and continued success to the Jets and turn on the Jets as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay, take care. Thank you.